break every once in a while to look at something else. For instance, next week, we will take an eight-week break as we do the church-wide campaign, The Real God, and um, each week we will be having our Sunday school lesson talking about um, who God is. I tell you, there's not a greater subject than that, amen? And then we'll come in here and we'll preach again a message that goes along with your Sunday school lesson about who God is. We'll talk about it again that night, okay? So for eight weeks, that's going to be the pattern. We'll be looking at different attributes of God. And I'll tell you, our God is so amazing that there's no way that we'll be able to cover everything about God in eight weeks, okay? But we just want to give you a little taste of who God is, and and, and hopefully from there you'll uh, kind of be spurred to maybe study Him deeper. And um, I, I firmly believe the longer we are believers... We'll always be constantly a student of getting to know God better and better, okay? Matthew chapter 14, I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on lessons learned from a flashback. Have you ever done something that you regretted? Yeah, I I know I have. Uh, We're not going to list all of them. Things that I've regretted, and and have you ever, maybe later in your life, you've had a kind of a flashback to that, and you thought, oh man, I remember the time when I was 15, or when I was 25, or 40, or 50, I I, I remember when I did that, I said that, I swore I would never do this or that, and man, that was a mistake. And you have a flashback to something, and, and, and in your mind, you replay those regrets. We're, we're going to see that. We're going to see a king that, that does exactly that today. So Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14, if you'd like to follow, or um, verse 1 of chapter 14, if you'd like to follow along with me. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants, He's been raised up from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling him that it's not lawful for you to have her, though he wanted to kill him, he feared the crowd since they regarded him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before him and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever that she might ask. And prompted by her mother, she answered, Give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. Although the king regretted it, he commanded that uh, it be granted because his oath and his guest. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. Father, we love you and we praise you. Father, I pray that you may just teach us from your word this morning, that we may glean some lessons that will help us live better. Father, that it may draw those us not yours to you and father those who have confessed yours lord that we may grow in our walk with you god 
Father, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus, throughout his ministry, he never said that life would be easy. He never said those words. He never said the words that many times we tell people today. Hey, if you'll just come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. That's not, you never heard Jesus say that. And in fact, Jesus taught that many times when you come to him, you may receive more problems. Because there's an enemy, there's a world that's opposed to him and opposed to his ways. In fact, if back at the end of chapter 13, Jesus went to his own hometown of Nazareth. He went there and stood up to preach. And, and, and the people there, the scripture says, the people said, well, who is this? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Who does he think he is? And they rejected him. And, and they would not listen. And the last verse of chapter 13, verse 58 says, he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Even though these people knew him and the very people he thought would support him and encourage him and follow him, they said, no, this is, this is just a kid that grew up in our community. And they rejected him. So he understands what it's like to be rejected by people that you think will be supportive. We, we come in to uh, the next chapter. And we, have this, this, we have Herod here who completely misunderstands him, who has no idea who Jesus is. They, King Herod begins to hear about all the miracles Jesus is doing, the preaching he's doing, the, the healing he's doing, the great works he's doing. And he thinks in his mind, he thinks this must be John the Baptist come back to life. You see, he has a flashback. He, he flashes back because his conscience is bothering him. He remembers that he had John the Baptist put to death, and now he is, is remembering all the facts and all the things that happened that led up to him having John the Baptist put to death. So as we look at this, as we look at his flashback, we're going to learn some lessons from King Herod's mistakes. Some things that haunt him that maybe will help us not to make the same mistakes. You know, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to have regrets when I get older. You think, well, you are older. When I get even older, I don't want to have regrets. More, more regrets. Okay, and I don't want you to have regrets. So I want us to see what Herod saw in this flashback as he's flashing back and he's thinking about when he had John the Baptist put to death. Okay? The first thing is that, first thing he saw was he saw that he ignored his conscience. First thing he saw was, hey, and I remember when I ignored my conscience. You see, God has given you a conscience. And if you want to um, have less heartache, if you want to have less times of grief, if you want to have less regrets, then don't ignore your conscience. Listen, God has put that conscience in us to to, to kind of tell you, hey, this is right and this is wrong. Do this and don't do that. So so don't listen to your, your, your hormones. Don't listen to your flesh and don't listen to your heart. Sometimes people give you that advice. Oh, just just follow your heart. No, that's the worst advice you can have. The heart is deceitfully wicked. So don't listen to those things. Rather, listen to your conscience. 
especially if you're a child of God, especially if you're a believer, because if you're a believer, God has given you that conscience, but he's also given you the Holy Spirit inside of you to help guide that conscience. So I want you to listen to that. Listen to that still, small voice. And you may be thinking, well, well, preacher, why are you saying this? This is so simple. This is so easy. Everybody knows that. Yes, everybody knows that, but very few people are actually doing that. So many people disregard your conscience. When God puts that little voice inside of you and says, hey, no, don't, don't do that. Why do, we, why do we go ahead and do it? Whenever our conscience is saying don't, why do we do it? Because just like King Herod, he ignored his conscience. He knew, he knew what he was about to do was wrong. And that's the reason I believe his conscience is now bothering him. That's the reason in verse 1, when he hears about the great works of Jesus, he thinks, oh no. It must be John the Baptist, that guy I had put to death. It must be John the Baptist come back to life. He's, he, he, he's come back out of the grave, and now he's here, and his spirit's here. I had him put to death. I knew I wasn't supposed to, and his conscience is bothering him. And it, if you want to save yourself a lot of grief in the future, then listen to your conscience. And especially today, if you're a child of God, and when that Holy Spirit is working inside of you and guiding your conscience, don't disregard that. Don't ignore that. Rather, listen and know that God's trying to speak to you and seek some wise counsel. As he had this flashback, he saw that he ignored his conscience. And I pray you don't say that. I pray that in 5, 10, 15 years, you don't say, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that, but I ignored my conscience. I can't tell you how many homes and marriages are broken today because somebody didn't listen to that conscience inside of them. What else? He saw not only that he ignored his conscience, but he also saw that Paul, or excuse me, he, yes, he also saw that John the Baptist did not compromise his convictions. He saw that John the Baptist did not compromise his convictions. Paul didn't either, by the way, but uh, in this story, uh, John. And if you want to have less regrets, let me encourage you, don't compromise your faith. In fact, let me encourage you right now today in this very moment to make a commitment right here, right now, that I will not compromise my Bible convictions. Every time I think about that, I, I, I think back to uh, Sal and I had just been married just a, a, a few months maybe. We went to revival that my pastor was preaching of the Leela Maxi, Lake Country Baptist Church in Queen City, Texas. And leading the music was a, happened to be another preacher. It's always, you know, I, I can't stand those guys that can preach and sing at the same time or do both. I just, just, those guys just bother me. <laughs> but I'll never forget 
uh, Brother Skinnerd. Brother Skinnerd was a pastor, a preacher that also led music, and he was leading the music. And Brother Skinnerd, I don't remember his first name. I think it might have been Leonard, but I'm not sure. Uh, <clears throat> the younger guys in here are saying, "Who's that?" All oh, everyone else, everyone else caught it, but. <laughs> No, his name wasn't Leonard. I don't know what his first name was, but his last name was, what, was Skinner. We just always called him Brother Skinner. And he, he was leading the music. And, and, you know, these preachers that lead the music, they also they, they think they have to preach too. And so he, during between a couple of songs, he made it, he, he started talking about having convictions. And he said, because he knew who I was, uh, my pastor introduced me, he said, this is one of our preacher boys, he's going to be a pastor someday. And so he just looked at me, he said, young man, I'm just telling you, if you don't have any convictions, you can borrow some of mine. I've always remembered that. Well, man, I, I made sure I had some Bible convictions. So I want to tell all the young people, all the young preacher guys here that's going into ministry, listen, stick to your convictions. And if you don't have any Bible convictions, let me loan you some of mine. Because... We can't um, go without having some commitment to Bible convictions. In, fa- in fact, I have a book in my office called um, Surprising Insights from the Unchurched Next Door, where they went and they identified people who were unchurched. They had no church affiliation, no, no Christian background, and they just talked to them about, what do you think about the church? Why don't you try the church? Why are you so put off by the church? And overwhelmingly, they said, because of fake Christians. We're put off by the church. We're not going to try the church because of fake Christians. It gets under our skin whenever they try to act like the world. When they think they can reach the world by acting like the world. You know, hey, those outside these walls, they expect you to be different. They expect, and you're not doing yourself any favors by acting like them. We can't reach them if we earn the mud with them. And so, look, the great theologian Logan Ferguson said this morning, I saw it on Facebook, he says, We have two testimonies what your mouth says and what your life says. I thought, no, I, I, that's good. I'm going I'm to use that in the message this morning. Thank you, brother. What your mouth says and what your life says, do they align with the Word of God? If they don't, then you're leading people further away from God than closer to God. You see, John the Baptist is a great example of this. He's a great Example, he's great proof that Jesus is not concerned a, a, about um, your, your, your comfort as much as he's concerned about your character. He isn't interested in your, how you're feeling good. He's interested in you becoming like Jesus. You see, God wants us to be holy. In verse 3, apparently the... John, for some reason, had an audience with Herod, with, with Herod, and as he came to Herod, he told Herod, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You see, the scripture says that uh, John was put into jail because on the account of Herodias, Herod's brother's, Philip's wife. Now, at first glance, you think, well, what, what does this have to do with, with, with 
Philip's wife, Herod's brother's wife. What does that have to do with it? Well, see, this is the deal. When Herod met Philip's brother's, or uh, his brother, Philip's wife, Herodias. I mean, it's like a soap opera, okay? It's hard to keep up with. Apparently, she was very beautiful and attractive. And he says, well, I know this is my brother's wife, but man, that Herodias. I want her to be my wife. So he, he took his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, and took her as his own. And you notice the scripture here never refers to her as Herod's wife, even though he um, broke up his marriage and their marriage and they, they came together. God doesn't ever say that he's Herod's wife. She's Herod's wife. Always refers to him as Philip's wife. So he broke up these marriage and they're now together. And here he is in front of them. And he says, King Herod, I just want you to know that God told me to tell you that it's not right for you to be living with that woman. And you're talking about awkward. <laughs> now she's there. You know, she's, she's sitting there and said, Herod, you're... You're sinning against God. You're going against the very word of God by having her as your wife. It's not right. Herod wanted to have him put to death right there, right then. That's what he wanted to do. But he knew he was afraid of the crowd because everyone viewed John as a prophet. So he was afraid that if I killed this man, the crowd's going to turn on me. So he just put him to death, or put him to prison instead. You see, he didn't compromise his convictions. He stood before the king, and he said, this is not right. Thus saith the Lord. And he did not compromise his convictions. He did not try to be popular and funny and cute and, 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 and just get along with society. He said, these are Bible convictions, and I will not compromise them. And we need men and women like that today that will not compromise your Bible convictions. I had an old a pastor buddy of mine that uh, told me about a time when he and a, a, a church member kind of had a little debate about this. He says, well, preachers, you know, sometimes you just have to get down in the mud with them. If you're going to reach them, you're going to just have to get down in the mud with them. So a few months later, driving down a country road, this church member was in the ditch. He was stuck. Preacher pulls up beside him and says, hey, you need some help? He said, yes, sir. Would you hook your chain onto my bumper and pull me out? And he said, yes, sir. Just a second. I'm going to pull down on the ditch beside you in the mud. And the guy says, preacher, you made your point. Just stay up there on solid ground and pull me out. You know, and that's the truth. Hey, we can't get down to the muck and the mire with them. We have to stand on the solid rock if we're really going to help them. To Jesus. So don't compromise your biblical standards, your biblical conviction. Make a commitment right now that I'm not going to compromise because compromise is costly and I will not compromise my, my Bible standards, my Bible convictions. I'm going to hold on to them. Well, the next thing he saw is that he saw that he had indulged his child. He had indulged his child. 
And so if you want to save yourself some, some grief in the future, hey, listen, be the parent. Don't indulge your children. I know you want to be their friends. I know, I know that you want to be their pal. But listen, they don't need a pal, they need a parent, okay? So, so, so listen, quit trying to dress like your 16-year-old daughter. Quit trying to act like your 15-year-old boy. You look goofy when you're doing it, so stop it and be their parent. Okay, now that I, I know I've made you mad, I'm going to get some emails over that, Brother Jacady. Just send them to Jacady, okay? Just, just send them to www.getoverit.com and, and I'll, I'll respond to you. Here, he, Herodias' daughter, okay, his stepdaughter, you basically can say, she is dancing in front of them at, on his birthday. Now, they would bring in, uh, you know, women to dance, dress not like you would think that a stepdaughter of a king would dress. And they would come in and dress for, or dance for the king. And this woman has her daughter, the stepdaughter to the king, dressing that way and dancing that way in front of her husband. And I, I have to ask myself, what type of mother would have her daughter dress that way and act that way and dance that way just so she can get revenge later on John the Baptist and have his head cut off. And of course, sometimes I, I know that I'm an old-fashioned and I'm out of date, and I, I know that. Instead of old-fashioned, out-of-date, I just think, I, I like to say, I just have biblical standards and convictions. And uh, Brother Daniel, sometimes when I look at kids today, I think the same thing. How can any mother or father let their daughter go out of the house dressed like that? Hey, 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 even in the church sometimes, I have to ask that question. Oh, ooh, my goodness. <laughs> Did... You know, I, I, listen to your pastor, moms, dads, youth. If you're always having to pull this up or pull this down, it doesn't fit, okay? That's it, it, just a good standard to go by, okay? Just remember that, okay? See, I've helped you so much already, and you didn't realize I was going to give you fashion advice. But it's true. It's true, okay? And they need parents today that will... They need you to raise them instead of them raising you today, okay? And he looked and he saw that he had indulged his child instead. Hey, listen, and guys, whenever you make a mistake as a parent, it's okay to say, man, I made a mistake. I know I told you would do that, but man, now that thinking about it, that wasn't a good idea. You see, Herod told this, this, this stepdaughter, hey, yeah, man, you dance like that? I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Anything you ask, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll give you an oath. Anything you want, it's yours. And her mother put in her ear, I want you to tell him we want John the Baptist's head chopped off and brought to us on a platter. 
That's what she asked for. He already knew this this is not right. He should have said, no, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. He should have been a good parent and said, no, that's not a good idea. I made a mistake. Parents never be afraid to say, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have got angry like that. I shouldn't have made a hasty decision like that. I, I, I should have made that judgment call. I can't tell you how many times in Caitlin's life that I've had to say, I made a mistake. I messed up. I mean, my mom, she, she never said those words. I mean, one time, there's eight of us kids. And so sometimes she didn't even know who done it. She just, she, she, hey, listen, here, he, he's getting a spanking. <laughs> and, and I can remember that one time I got a spanking. And, and my, one of my, my sister, Julie, she's kind-hearted. And she said, Mom, he, he didn't do that. And she didn't say, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. She said, well, he's probably going to do something later that he deserves a spanking for. <laughs> she's right. <laughs> But parents, listen, when you make a mistake, don't be afraid to say, I promise you, your, your kids are going to respect you more. Of saying, hey, I'm, I made a mistake. That's not what's good for you. That's not what's best for you. That's not what God would want for you. But instead, he went through with it, and his conscience bothered him and bothered him. And now, sometime later, he's having a flashback because he, he made the wrong decisions. Don't indulge your children. Rather, lovingly raise them to have Bible standards and Bible convictions. Well, the last thing that he saw, he saw here in these last verses that we read, verse 12, he saw that the disciples clung to Christ. That the disciples clung to Christ. The disciples took the body of John the Baptist down, or not down, but just just retrieved it, went and buried it, and they went and reported it to Jesus. They clung to Christ. Listen, parents, I know I've, I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Grandparents, we've made mistakes. Kids, we make mistakes. If I told you all the mistakes I made as a kid growing up, you wouldn't want me to be your pastor today. But as I said before, if I knew all the mistakes you made, we probably wouldn't even let you in the church today. So, okay. So we're, we're even, okay. But one thing that's consistent is that you can always turn to Christ. He's always there welcoming you and say, hey, I love you. Are you hurting today? Are you suffering today? Have you been put through the ringer today? Have have you got regrets today? Have you got some heartache from past decisions today? Just come to me. I I understand. He understands. You can always cling to the cross. You can always cling to Christ. You can always go to him. He's always there for you. He'll never say, no, I don't want to hear you. No, I don't want you. No, I don't accept you. No, I don't love you. You'll never hear those words come out of, uh, from the Father. You never will. He, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to come to him. 
He wants you to turn to him. I mean, he gave his life so that you can turn to him. He gave his life so that you can come to him. And that you can bring those heartaches, those, even if someone else has, has dumped on you and messed up your life, and, and you're an innocent victim in the whole thing. If you have had horrible parents or horrible friends or horrible uh, bosses or a horrible companion that's left you, whatever it is, you can still go to him. He, he still is there and says, hey, come to me. I'm waiting on you. Always, always, always remember. If you fail on all these other things, always remember that you can cling to Christ. You can go to him. In fact, as we close the service, we're going to give you an opportunity today, right now, to just come to him. Uh, Forget about the past mistakes. Forget about those things. Maybe you're having flashbacks right now of things that you've done that you thought, man, I I sure regret that. I understand that. But put that to the side for a moment. Just go to Christ. he'll, He'll help you through that. He'll lift your burden. He'll help you carry that burden because he loves you and he cares about you that much. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we praise you and we just worship you, God. So, Father, I ask you, God, would you please do a mighty work in this place, God? We just need...